Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Today, we're talking about a destination we've all visited, or I think at least most of us have visited, and that's the decision point. <laughs> it's not a physical destination. The decision point's the place where you really have to lock in one way or the other and make a commitment, whether it's deciding to quit a job and travel or turn a passion project into a full-time gig or start working on that side hustle full-time and making the transition. There's these decision points, these big moments that come up in our lives where we have to kind of choose a path. And of course, we can blow them up and make them grand and put a lot of pressure around them. Or we can just make a decision and kind of roll with it. Or maybe it's something in between. But a lot of us can relate to the mental chatter that goes on around that. And we're going to talk it out today with my guest who came on and shared all about his experience deciding to go all in with his passion project for starting a travel blog. It's not an easy thing, but anytime we reach these decision points, I think it's always helpful to hear from other people who have done that and get some perspectives from them that we can implement into our own lives. So again, for some of you that might be travel, for others, maybe it's something else. Either way, I know you're going to get a ton of value from listening in on this conversation that's coming at you right now. Plus, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay, I probably didn't hit all the notes. Maybe you recognize that, maybe you don't, but I have a shout out for one of you in the community today, and it ties in with that, that little ditty there. And I'm bringing back something for the hardcore Zero to Travel podcast listeners who have been deep in the archives, something that I haven't said on the show in far too long that applies to today's topic. And I'm going to talk a little bit about one of my travel heroes. Stick around for all that and much more. It's happening right now. Buckle up, get the little metal clasp into the thingy, grab your favorite beverage, recline, and enjoy yourself hanging out here with me, with us, with everybody from across the world listening to this. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. 
Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, spending a little time with me, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Welcome, my friend. You're joining people from around the world, and I'm honored you're part of this community. And I have a confession for you. I'm a leaf peeper. Yes, I'm a leaf peeper. Have you ever heard that term? It's a ridiculous term. It really just means that you like to look at fall foliage, and that's fall at the time of this recording. And man, I've been a peeping, not a peeping Tom. I haven't been a peeping Tom. I've been a peeping, a leaf peeping guy. I love going out and looking at the trees. I know it sounds all hippy dippy, but I can't keep my eyes off these trees. And they're slowly, not so slowly, in fact, shedding their leaves, which means winter's around the corner. We just changed the clocks back. It's dark here uh, in Oslo, but that's okay. You guys are bringing the light, and I'm ready for the dark days. I'm mentally prepared. You know, as travelers, you can always escape to the sun somewhere. But there is something about settling into a dark place where uh, the rhythms of winter in a place like uh, Scandinavia is is just as much a part of the culture and the life uh, as anything else. I mean, the weather impacts the people tremendously anywhere. So uh, getting to live through these winters here um, is, it's funny, it is almost like a cultural experience having uh, spent a season here. And again, usually uh, when I'm traveling, I'm trying to go places where it's nice when I'm there. So uh, it's it's cool to to live through that. And hey, whatever doesn't kill you, make you stronger, right? I mean, it's, it's cold. It can get cold. I'll be honest with you, but um, but you you all warm me up with your with your kind emails and your love. Thanks to everybody that's reached out recently. By the way, if you haven't ever said hi. Drop me an email, jason at zero to travel.com or leave a review on the podcast better. I read them all and I'd love to uh, hear from people listening to the show. I love when you send me pictures of yourself listening wherever you are in the world or just other random pictures. I get beautiful sunset pictures and all kinds of things and uh, it's always a joy to see those things. And uh, I got one uh, the other week from, actually last month from Matt. <laughs> he sent me a picture of, it was a Super Mario from Mario Brothers, and uh, it was a sign that said, Welcome to Japan. He said, Mario greets you in the Narita Airport. This is my second trip to Tokyo and my fifth trip ever. It's also the first time I ever went back to a place. I came to traveling later in life, and I'm trying to make up for it. Thanks for putting out content that shows me how to maximize my travel abilities. Thanks, Matt. He probably didn't know when he sent this one. I know he didn't know. I was a, a Super Mario Brothers junkie back in the day. I mean, still am. I remember one time way after Nintendo, I somehow got in front of a Super Mario Brothers game on like one of those small Nintendo controllers. I ended up staying up for like hours just till I beat the game again. <laughs> I don't know why that is. but and, and that tune, I mean, is there a more catchy tune than the Super Mario Brothers theme song? I gotta learn to play that on the guitar or something. Anyway, I'm getting off track. We got an incredible show for you today. And we do talk about one of my travel heroes. I teased that out in the beginning of the show, and there is a good reason why. I'll tell you in just a second who that is and why he's one of my heroes. First, I want to thank Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. Zero to travel.com slash Tortuga 
is going to take you to a page with all my recommendations. Not only that, you'll get 10% off when you go through that link on anything you order. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, you, you know I've given a promo code before that gives you 10% off. That promo code is no bueno anymore. It's no good. Just use this link, shop, do whatever, and when you check out, you'll get 10% off for being a Zero to Travel podcast listener. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga. That's the link you need to get 10% off. Do your holiday shopping. Buy something for yourself. If you're looking for an amazing travel backpack or some travel gear like packing cubes and things like that, hook yourself up. This is the stuff to get. I love the guys at Tortuga. They are an incredible team, and these uh, bags are really built by travelers for travelers. They have all the bells and whistles and, and just enough of everything you need without overkill. And you know what I'm talking about with some of the crazy dangling straps and all the unnecessary stuff. It's a great minimal bag, something you can carry on that can save you money when you're traveling so you don't have to check a bag, but it maximizes the carry-on space. I could go on and on. Check out their stuff, zero-to-travel.com slash Tortuga. Don't waste your time doing a bunch of research. These are the backpacks to get uh, if you're traveling for three weeks, three months, or three years. Check them out. Thanks to them for supporting today's show. My travel hero, one of my big travel heroes, is a gentleman, a gentleman by the name of Rick Steves. And maybe you've heard of him. And if you've heard of him and you like him, most people don't just like Rick Steves. They either are like a super fan or... They're just not into it or they don't know him. But those are generally the Rick Steves camps. And uh, I would say I'm a super fan. The guy has been traveling for years. He's got all these amazing travel shows, great travel tips. I've even used some of his guidebooks in the past. And he's always been an inspiration to me because of the way he articulates not just travel uh, and the sense of a place uh, through his writing, but his initiatives uh, and his his leadership in the travel space and his lack of fear when it comes to sharing his beliefs. And uh, he, he just does it in a very clear way. And uh, I'm really always inspired by some of the things he has going on. And I just wanted to um, bring him up for two reasons. One, my guest today hosts a, a great podcast called Rick Steves Over Brunch, where they actually review Rick Steves episodes, like old TV episodes, and I got to be on it recently. So uh, if you want to listen to that episode, you can check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes, but um, yeah, or you can just search for it. And we, we reviewed one of the travel skills episodes, just had a blast uh, doing it. It, it was so, so fun. Also, Rick just started this Climate Smart initiative, which I think is a wonderful thing. Uh, he's committing to spending a million dollars a year out of their company uh, to donate to climate smart agriculture conservation and agroforestry projects in developing countries, according to his website. So um, he's paying a, uh, what he says, a quote, a self-imposed carbon tax to account for the carbon footprint of the 30,000 people who fly to and from a Rick Steves Europe tour each year. And we're not changing our tour prices to cover it. We're taking it out of our profits. So uh, I just wanted to uh, applaud Rick Steves here. Not that he's listening, but uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. And as a, one of the biggest tour companies out there, taking a leadership role again and doing the right thing by creating awareness around this topic and also putting his money where his mouth is, right? It's not just talking about it. It's actually being the change. So I found that very inspiring. I wanted to share that with you. I'm not sure if any of you are going on any of his tours, but um, it doesn't matter. It's just the idea of, hey, if you're a leader in your space or uh, even if you're not and you take a leadership role and you do the right thing, 
it's just a wonderful uh, way to live. And it's got me thinking a lot about, oh, what more can I do? You know, we talk about this stuff on the podcast. I have more episodes coming out about climate change and some of the issues around that and travel and, the, and some of the debates and just the things we we should be talking about. And it, it is important. So thank you to Rick for making that commitment and making us figure out, hey, how can we level up what we're doing, all of us in the travel space here and all of us as individual travelers? What else can we do to uh, fight climate change, to do the right thing when it comes to the impact we make on local communities and uh, to the impact we make as travelers? And you all know what I'm talking about. So uh, thanks for listening I'm going to get into this episode now. And at the end, I know uh, in the beginning of the show, I talked about something the hardcore Zero to Travel podcast listeners haven't heard in a while. Something important, a very important question, in fact, that I've asked quite often of myself and others here on the show, but it's been a while. We're going to get to that in the outro after the interview. But for now, please enjoy listening to my interview with my buddy Chris from TravelingMitch.com. And we're going to talk all about going all in with your passion project, get into his story uh, about how he got into travel and how his overseas experiences have shaped him. And uh, you're going to get some new perspectives and some takeaways, I'm sure. So please enjoy this conversation. I'll see you on the other side, my friend. How is it going? Well, well, well. We meet again. <laughs> if it isn't, should I have my should I have should I have my video on? By the way, or are you good? Yeah, man, I like to have a face to face. I mean, unless your Wi-Fi, you know, channel can't handle it. Channel isn't even the right word, but uh, yeah. Well, it's a good it thing I wore. Load? Can it handle the video load? I think so. It's a good thing I wore a shirt. I guess. <laughs> what's up man how you doing good how are you good man good man just uh posted up in the old office over here it's pretty it looks, damn early you got up early for me didn't you i did just for you yeah it was oh, uh man i can't thank you enough <laughs> we we all make our sacrifices <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool well the office looks good man we're recording now because i never want to miss anything so i was no. just I always just record. I, I mean, I, lately I started doing it because I kept missing these little stories nuggets. and nuggets of juiciness. So anyway, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was, I was, I gotta be honest. I was waiting for the, my friend. I knew, <laughs> I, I knew it was coming. You um, are but, my friend. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm talking with Christopher Mitchell from travelingmitch.com. By the way, do you ever go by Chris or is it always Christopher? Are you, you know, it's. No, yeah, Chris, Chris is good. I mean, I think I, I from, uh, I have four first names, uh, Christopher James Darby Mitchell. And so I got used to just being called uh, whatever anybody's feeling. So, um, really? I'd say I'd say Chris uh, Chris is the the most common uh, ter- terminology now, as it were. But um, do all know, Canadians have four first names? Is that like a <laughs> it's, it's a it's a policy? <laughs> it's yeah, part of the I'm not sure. There? Yeah, I'm not sure if you knew that. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a big part of the of the Great White North um, policy. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait. How did you end up with four first names? Seriously, because that's that's pretty over the top. 
Yeah, I think that's a, that's probably a question for the uh, for the parents. Okay, let's get them um, on. <laughs> and here now, um, yeah, uh, I don't know, but I, I'm I'm kind of cool with it. To be honest with you, it's it's come in handy a few times because one time I was uh, traveling from Ireland, and I guess there was a, a some somebody named Christopher Mitchell was was being pretty suspicious in Dublin, and so they kind of pulled me out of line and they were checking my credentials, and I was like, no, no, no. I'm not Christopher Mitchell, I'm Christopher James Darby Mitchell. And they were like, ah, okay, okay, we got you. We've checked out all four first right. names. You can and, just call uh, me James Darby, whatever you want, just anything but Christopher Mitchell. As long as you let me on this flight, you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. It's uh, No, it's cool because my daughter and my son and my wife and my mom and her, my wife's mom and my wife's dad all have two first names and her brother. So I'm into like the multi first name thing. It's weird. Well, you spend time in Norway. We'll talk about that later. But it seems like two first names is more common than to have a middle name. You don't really have a middle name. It's, it's kind of like a middle name, but you're just calling it your second first name. So it's tied to the, the first name, I guess. I don't know. I'm getting off topic here. We, well, we've got a lot to cover because uh, when you emailed me, we were talking about, hey, what you know, there's so many things to talk about because you've had all these different travel experiences, which again, we're going to get into today and you've lived overseas and everything like that. But one of the big things that stood out that I know a lot of people can relate to is this idea of going all in with a passion project and trying to decide if maybe the thing you're doing on the side or maybe it's just the thing you're churning in your head and thinking, oh, I really want to you know, be a travel writer or whatever the case is. You know, when do I go all in on that versus just doing it as my hobby or doing it as a side business. And that can be a tough thing. Of course, it's different for everybody. But what I'm going to try to extract out of you today is some, uh, along with your story, some advice around that for others. And of course, we're going to have the travel tips and all that good stuff along the way. So um, we actually met in person in Ireland, which was awesome at a travel blogging conference. And we were in Killarney. What do you think about Ireland, man? We'll start there. Oh, I, I love Ireland. I think it's a fantastic place. Um, and Ireland for me is this uh, its pla- this place where so many of my ideas around travel formed. And that's because I actually went on my, my first time in Europe was a trip to, to Dublin that I took when I was 16. Oh, really? Okay. And I arrived in Dublin as a 16-year-old. And you can imagine I was like, um... You were like, so- give me a Guinness, man. Why is it taking so long? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I was actually doing uh, a bit of a, a writing program at Trinity College um, for the summertime. And that's where I fell in love with Irish authors. And also just, I guess Dublin to me, I don't know if you feel the same, but it's, it's a very approachable, very warm city. And so to, to, to have Dublin be the first city I arrived in Europe, it just felt like Oh, I can do this. You know, like I can do, I built it up in my head as some, some like enormous, um, undertaking. I was going to arrive and be like, Oh my gosh, different currency, different transportation. I arrived and I was like, you know what? Um, I'm always 85 steps away from a Guinness and they'll serve me here. So I'm okay. (laughs) Well, no, it's understandable. I mean, were you by yourself 16 years old in Dublin? Yeah. I mean, showing Mm -hmm. up by yourself, at any age for the first time overseas, I think those are common fears that people have. You know, am I going to be able to do this? What's going to happen? It's kind of that fear of the unknown, right? Which is also the allure of travel, the the idea of, well, we don't know what can happen. That's where the adventure is, right? But being 16 years old, especially, and being there on your own and overseas, I mean, was that kind of the first time away from your parents for that length of time? 
Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and but it was, it was it was liberating in a way um, because I felt like, I mean, of course, at the time, you know, you're 16 years old, you've got all the all the fake confidence in the world. You look back and you're like, oh my gosh, so many things could have gone wrong. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, I guess I, I immediately was drawn to travel. I felt like that trip could have been what it ended up being. And that was like these, I, I found myself as like, I, yeah, sure. I love the aspects of, of going out and being able to get Guinness and so forth. But, but what I really loved was, you know, reading Joyce on O'Connell street, you know, and, right. and being able to see what he describes in, in the modern, modern times, you know, and, and that's, that's what I got into. And I loved, you know, diving into the Irish history and, and figuring out, you know, why Jonathan Swift's a modest proposal is, is actually a brilliant piece of satire, you know, and, and this kind of stuff and, and seeing bullet holes in the post office, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I guess that's, that's what I got into and that I was excited about in myself. And I think at that time too, I was 16. I had some, I had some friends which were going in all kinds of directions and uh, I didn't know what direction I was supposed to go to. And then there was this deep, I don't know if irony is the right word, but like to figure out some semblance of direction when you're halfway across the world was uh, nothing short of enlightening. Yeah. And it sounds like you had a relationship with writing early on because you were there for, uh, you said it was a writing. Uh, yeah. So basically, yeah. So essentially, um, it, it was a program where I was able to go over to Trinity College and 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 do a one month intensive course that would qualify as a as a as a high school credit that I could use towards university. But uh, the the allure was that it was it was basically two weeks at Trinity College or a couple of weeks at Trinity College in Dublin, and then we went down to um, University College Cork for a couple of weeks as well. So I was able to see part of the country and, uh, and it was all about Irish authors. And, and my, I'm, I should elaborate a little bit that my family is from Ireland. We came, um, my dad's side of the family came over in the 1820s. Um, my, and my dad's side of the family is from Wexford and mom's side of the family is from County Armagh. Um, Armagh. And then, uh, and so I think like, Maybe you feel the same in the U.S., but in Canada, we're always talking about identity. Um, and I think that for me to be able to chase an origin story, I don't know, it was helpful in solidifying who I was and who I was going to be. Yeah. Having that as part of your heritage, did you get a sense of home right away in a foreign place just because of that? I think I did. Um, and also, um, I think... There's, there's, I mean, there's a huge Irish diaspora um, in in Canada, U.S. as well, obviously. But I, like, I found the Irish sensibility, you know, which, which is like really, you know, I found it to be like just good, warm people. Um, everyone's just, everyone's got a good sense of humor. Um, I also have a theory that the weather is what's created such great, such a great writing atmosphere there because. Um, you know, there's no better time to write than when it's when it's rainy outside and you don't want to even be outside, you know. Yeah. So so that's kind of what I kind of felt like there was like, I don't know, the, the I mean, I went down to the Cliffs of Moher and all that kind of stuff. And you see you see this like battle scarred landscape of uh, and, and just realize that like this is a tremendously powerful land. Yeah. And uh, and I've kind of always felt like a powerful landscape 
uh, translates pretty nicely to powerful powerful words um and and that's just something i think that's just a seed that planted Mm -hmm. there and 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 i think also the other seed that planted was like uh and maybe this is just like my own like narcissism or something but i but i i just felt like i had to tell somebody the story uh of what was going on you know i was reading these great storytellers and i was experiencing all this stuff and i kind of thought like all right this is amazing input but uh what what do i do with output here but naturally, I was doing a writing course there um, and studying these great authors. And, and, and I think probably a lot of seeds were planted in that time that, that, you know, maybe, just maybe I have something valuable to say. Yeah, it's amazing how powerful a travel experience can be, right? I mean, this could be for parents wanting to give something like that to their kids. You might easily forget how much of an impact just some weeks in another place can have on an individual. And I like what you said about... The landscape, I'm, I was thinking, well, yeah, that makes sense. If you're describing the landscape and using all these adjectives, maybe you start inhabiting those adjectives a little bit. And maybe you're just overall becoming more powerful people in some way or more powerful writers. It's really interesting to think about how a landscape could actually impact a whole population of people on some level and also how they tell stories. And for you... What was it about writing and storytelling that is, that is the draw? It seems like that that's what you still do. So yeah. was this always a thing for you? I mean, this might tie in a little bit with where we're going to go in this conversation eventually, which is around pursuing your passions. But it, it's funny, if you dig deep enough, often I find that people that are doing stuff that they love, they were on some, in some level or in some way doing it as kids too. You know, was that you? Were you always into writing and storytelling, using writing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I, my mom was going through old boxes a couple of weeks ago and, and now I'm back in Toronto. So I get to see my folks again, which is, which is cool yeah. um, for these little moments. And I had this, uh, I basically had this project called All About Me and uh, it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I, and I basically said uh, that, uh, you know, either I wanted to be a teacher and teach people English and, and, and writing, or I wanted to be a writer, um, or I wanted to be a psychologist so I could sort of uh, mediate conversations in some way. But, but it was all based on writing and conversations. And I think, um, as far as where that comes from, that, and that's I've everything been, you do now, essentially. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's literally, literally. What I, so I was very perceptive, obviously. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. It, it was, and I think to me that comes from the fact that I've always been somebody who's pretty hyperactive, you could say. I mean, I, I, um, depending on when you met me in my childhood, you might use a different adjective, uh, demonic, perhaps. But. Uh, <laughs> Writing for me was the way that I felt I could slow things down. So I always was at this kind of enormous pace and still am. Um, you know, if, if anybody knows me personally or follows along with what I'm doing, yeah, I'd still have that pace. But writing is my secret weapon for for being able to slow things down and process things. Yeah. Um, and there's a space I go into with writing and, and you know, try to say this without, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like, you know, the term flow, which is, which talks about, you know, it's kind of this, uh, this idea that, um, another psychology book. 
called Fire. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I can't remember uh, the it, Russian author's name because it's kind of I know, Mihaly something or other. I, I just uh I just uh, read it recently, but I've always kind of come across that term. And you know, it's, the, it's the idea of like um getting in when you're doing the things that you're passionate about, you can get into a flow state and and time itself sort of dissolves. I mean, you you it, it's almost like you're in a different place and you come back to an hour and a half later. And, uh, you know, hopefully you have words in front of you, but I, I do believe in that. And, um, I guess there's a flow state I can get into with writing that I can't find elsewhere in my life. And so it's the way that I play with time. Yeah, that's really cool. And, uh, I think for me, obviously doing a lot of podcasting, I love to have these conversations. This is one of my true passions. So I'll often lose track of time during these conversations, but I wanted to get back into writing again, which I've been doing lately, because I realized that if I'm not taking that time, like you said, slowing down the process and then put words on the page or on the computer screen or whatever is your poison, I guess, it's not really getting instilled in me on like a visceral level. You know what I mean? It's It, it needs, I need to kind of formalize some of my beliefs in writing in order to speak to them in a more intelligent way, if that makes sense. And I realized that even though I might write something today that in a week isn't true or I've changed my opinion on, that's okay because I'm just learning and growing like everybody else. But there's something powerful in writing. So, I mean, we're talking so much about writing because that's what you do, but also tying in with a passion. And I just think, I mean, this is my opinion, you can share yours, but writing as an exercise is really healthy for anybody, even if you're not sharing it publicly or whatever. Especially if you're somebody that wants to do it and you're like, oh, but I can't write. I'm not a good writer. Because I mean, I've said that. I don't know if you've said that. There's a lot of, there can be a lot of negative self-talk around writing. But the truth is, it's not about what everybody else thinks about your writing. It's about what your writing can do for you, I think. And of course, you know, if you want to sell books and write books and stuff like that, you have to write for an audience and, you know, serve them in some way, whether it's entertain an entertaining story or information or whatever. But ultimately... It is a, a personal thing that can help you on, on a, a lot of levels, I think. I, I totally agree with that. And I think the way I conceive of it, I mean, writing is a process and not a product, you know. Right. Um, what what you create from writing can be a product, but writing itself is, is you know, it's a process. And you can it's learn a lot through it. And I, yeah, exactly. And I think it's also about understanding that um, – there is no such thing as, as, as the perfect book or the perfect essay or, or whatever, you know, it, it's all about, in many cases, the quirks of writers that they may have hated the most about themselves uh, are probably what has made them famous, you know? Right. Um, and that's, that's, um, I mean, you can always grow. Like, I think there's a, I feel confident as a writer now, but I, you know, I still read every single night for about an hour and uh, I have a certain reverence for, for those authors that I don't have for myself, you know, but that keeps me hungry. Yeah. I think that's, there's always that fine balance. You want to be confident, but not cocky. And you want to be, Oh, I think the biggest thing, and it's something I know from listening to the show that you believe in, it's just the, the idea of having a growth mindset and understanding that, you know, you can always be, you're a, a better version of yourself. And, and a lot of that is just being humble enough to realize that, there's always opportunities for for growth, you know, and and that can be as simple as I don't know if you ever listen to the Food Blogger Pro podcast. And I don't want to I don't want to uh, uh, 
you know, pick up another podcast on here uh, too, too heavy. But I think there's, he always talks about this concept of 1% infinity, which is like, if you do something, you know, to get 1% better every single day, then it, it has an infinite effect on mm. the tail end. And I think that's kind of true with, with anything you have. And, and for writing, especially like, I don't think it's worth thinking about it as like, okay, I don't have the right grammar, the right ideas. I don't know how to put this on the paper. Just think about what can you do each and every day just to satisfy yourself, you know, yeah. your, your, your own, your own audience as it were. I like that. And looking at it as, you know, 1% increment is much sort of easier to tackle or not, not even tackle to just kind of digest like, okay, yeah, yeah, I probably got 1% better at some aspect of this today <laughs> just by doing it for a little bit. So that's reassuring on some level. Uh, if there was a perfect book, you mentioned there's no perfect book or essay or whatever, but if there was a perfect book in your opinion, what is it? Ooh, baby. Baby, yeah. Oh. Oh, no. One of those questions is so annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Are we talking... um, Oh, anything. Fiction, nonfiction, travel, whatever. I just what came to your head right away. Yeah, sure, sure. So I got a few books that come to mind then. Um, I'll talk... First, I don't want to like this is gonna turn into like an hour. It's like, uh oh. Um, I'll talk first just about um, a book that that or a few books that I read this year that that I, you know, we're, we're talking about going all in, you know, and, and what that looks like. And I think there's a few books that come to mind just under that umbrella that really have helped me to um, conceptualize or put a framework around what I'm doing. And um, so one one book that I think of just kind of is, is like a great book for for getting through that barrier is the War of Art, you know. And I'm, I'm you know, the basic premise to that, or or the key premise there is like that uh, for for the things that are truly valuable or or matter to us uh, or need to get done, there's going to be a tremendous amount of resistance in our life towards that. And the things which which we have the greatest resistance towards, that is, or, or that we feel the greatest resistance for, we need to chase those, you know, the most intensely. Yeah. Um, Pressfield, that's a great audiobook too, if anybody likes audiobooks, because the way he reads it is, he's just got this gruff voice that's kind of like, Mm, yeah, I'm gonna tackle this. You know, <laughs> overcoming the resistance. Ah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I know. He he sounds gruff. So I'm 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 I, he sounds gruff even in his writing. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one book. And I also I also I don't know where if this was from any book I read this year, but it kind of reminds me of the idea. And maybe it's from the War of Art, but the notion that the uh, you know the greatest repository of work in the world is the graveyard. You know, all the things that never got done. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. And I think that was to me like I know it's a it's one of those stark reminders where you're like, oh, you know, but the truth is like if you don't have that mindset of thinking about all the things that you need to do to make sure it doesn't happen to you, you know, to get that on the paper, to, to put all your ideas out there, you know, yeah. um, I take that seriously. You know, I'm a big Vonnegut guy. I have. And so it I goes, can see that. T- I can see yeah. that. You're you're a funny guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I like to play with Wee. language and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I have it. I have it, and so it goes tattooed on my foot. Nice. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's there there's that as well as I thought the book. Um, and, and I know you you talked about this recently on your show as well, but um, not this book, but this concept off the clock was was pretty interesting. And it there's just a few concepts there playing with time again that I thought were really valuable part of that book and and one one part of that book that was was striking to me was just talking about you know when we're yeah when we're doing different things but we're not caught in this uh endless uh 
march of monotony uh, when we're doing different things we're creating new memories and we're we're it kind of elongates our life in a sense and I, I know you talked about this recently on the show but it was about you know the idea that like if you're doing a different thing every day for a year your mind's going to try a lot harder to form those memories than if you're doing the same thing for a year and that in turn elongates your life so i thought that book was fascinating hmm. i have like a million books that i could i could go go on and on and on with but also like fiction if you like if you want to get into another world River God is a really cool book by Wilbur Smith. Um, it goes back into ancient Egypt. And then there's a follow-up to that book called The Seventh Scroll, okay. which is like archaeologists finding that history years later. Right. Those are two really cool books. So if anybody wants more book recommendations, I've rated, I think, 500 books on Goodreads. So I can tap back into my <laughs> can tap back into my uh my repository there. Right yeah. on. I was going to ask for some, but we got into it and we got some solid ones there. So thank you. <laughs> I'm rereading Catcher in the Rye right now because I got it at the the local market, it's called in, in Norway, which you probably, yeah. in Norwegian, which is like the flea market. It's always a great place to pick up used books at a discount. All right. Well, let's talk about how you kind of ramped up to this big decision point of going on with your passion project because... From what I know about you, I know you went to school at some point in Norway where I live. You were somehow in Turkey for a while. So like, let's go past your 16-year-old self-experience. <laughs> I'm guessing that's kind of what hooked you on travel in some way, international travel. What did you do after that to make international travel a part of your life? Yeah. So I'll, yeah, I'll try, I'll try and... Uh... <laughs> sort of connect those those things as you mentioned so I, I came back from from Ireland just thinking to myself like well at, at the time I still had this notion like okay well I've got to travel as much as I can before the real world you know like right. be, be, before um, yeah. yeah yeah because for you got to get it out of your system which like, exactly I mean hint, hint, <laughs> it'll never get out of your system <laughs> I know it it's never not. happens but in the real I, world I, is BS <laughs> <laughs> we could go on a diatribe with that too. At the time, leaving Ireland, I had this notion still like, okay, so that was great. And I have to make sure I have as many experiences like that as possible before um, before I enter this, uh, what I understand is this horrific thing where you, you know, you basically, you know, you, you just sign off and you're like, well, that was fun. You know, um, I had a good but, time with uh, that. Now it's time to get to the drudgery of, uh, yeah, now it's plus time years to, uh, really buckle down effects? and do something unexciting that I'm not, yeah. ex you know, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, better work in an anonymous office. So anyways, I, I just, I couldn't shake it. Uh, I, I just, I wanted to get back on the road. So I thought, so I kept on doing these little trips here and there. The first major opportunity I had to go abroad again was third year university, where I, I did an exchange at the University of Oslo through my school in Canada, which was, it was Queen's University. And so it was funny because I had this great list of places that I could go. And it was like Spain and Italy and France and, and so on and so forth. And I knew I was a different type of person and traveler because I was like, my first choice was University of Oslo. I remember the the guidance counselor or whoever it was who was facilitating this she was like why oslo and i was like because you have to ask that question <laughs> you know i was like I, and, and the truth was because i had i'm a big believer in that like if you have a big blank on the map and you don't know enough about a place like again like that's where you got to go like i think that uh, when somebody 
Like I like to have a you know a word association to every country. When somebody says Norway and I don't have enough there, enough of a gut, like a knee-jerk reaction there, like I need to fill that space. So now when you say Oslo and I know you're living in Oslo, I know you're recording from Oslo, like that brings me a measurable joy because I know that city well and well, I know do, that do some word association. Well. What what would it say? I say Oslo, what do you say? So for me, I think growth. I actually lived at, near Ullaval Stadion at the uh, in the old Olympic Villages with ten thousand international students, and that was an incredible experience to me because it just I was I guess uh, nineteen or twenty years old, and uh, it just gave me the opportunity to smash every stereotype to bits, you know, because I just got to meet every kind of person from every kind of place, and and all of a sudden these like really narrow and, and, you know, come to realize absurd stereotypes of, of like, Oh, these people are like this. And these people are like that. Like now I had a, an example and I was like, no, no, no. Like you don't know Snore or like, you don't know whoever, like, like I can tell you you're wrong, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and I could tell people, you know, Norway um, was an interesting place to, to go and live because I'm like this like boisterous, um, outgoing Canadian guy. And you, you can see how that would be, you know, <laughs> interesting because I mean, in general, and I, you know, again, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush. Um, but I think in general, you could say that Norway, uh, I, th- I think it's a place that's, um, it's not that loud, boisterous, outgoing sort of thing. People are cautious a little bit at the beginning people will, will fully let you into their heart but they're they're not going to be like me where they're like hey i've just met you come over for dinner and drinks you know it's it's like a thing where i think i, I felt at least people wanted to fill you out a little bit um and there is a huge warmth there but it's just not the way that i had, i understood warmth right away i don't know if you agree with that yeah, or not totally i mean the same coming as an american here and us being loud and boisterous in general, or, or maybe just me specifically, or that's part of my personality <laughs> as well, which is probably why we hit it off right away in Ireland. We just immediately start joking around, laughing about stupid things and just having fun together. That's kind of the way I like it, but that's not necessarily the way it is on the streets of Norway. And that's not to say that they're not friendly. Like you said, we're prefacing it with, it's just part of the culture to be a little more subdued, a little more kind of even keel i suppose you know they might even make fun of our enthusiasm in america like awesome you know oh so cool it's like chill out guys you know yeah. just whatever <laughs> I, I i actually ended up really like sort of honing in on the language that i was using while i was there because i ended up making some good friends there um and it and you know as you know it's a little bit expensive so at the time we were having a lot of kitchen parties and stuff like that That's and just typical. like a lot yeah. yeah exactly like uh Oh, what was it? Vorspiel and Narspiel, the pre-party and after-party and all kinds of stuff. I, I just remember, like, I would say little things I wasn't even recognizing. Like, I'd come home from from class or whatever, or, and I'd be chatting with somebody, and they'd be like, oh, like, how was class today? And I was like, oh, it was the best. And they'd be like, it was the best class you've had ever? Like, this this was the be- the greatest class you've had in your life. And I was like, well, no, no, I guess it was good. And they're like, okay, great. So it was good. <laughs> you know? Or, or like, yeah, just little things like that. Or, or like, every time they'd ask me how I was, I was always like, oh, I'm good. How are you? And they were like, I'm okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's happened? And they're like, no, I'm just like, I'm not amazing today. And I was like, oh, I guess you actually answer that question. Right, right. Like, you know what I mean? Like for me, the North American mentality, like if someone didn't reply that they were good, in, in at least in Canada or Toronto, you'd be like, do you need to see a doctor? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, 
it, a lot of times it's more of a just an informal greeting than as an actual question. Exactly. Yeah. And you you're, you you kind of be surprised when somebody actually answers the question, which is why you were. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. So you're supposed to all these international students, you're getting this perspective. And by the way, yes, you were 19 and 20, but I know some people are listening to this. You know, even if you're older, I mean, you can have this effect anywhere you travel, right? You go in a hostel, you get exposed to, you know, the international crowd, you go to uh, any destination, really, and you can find people from all over the world and whether you're staying in a hotel or whatever. So um, certainly can have that effect at any age, I think. Can be very impactful when you're younger, when you think you know about the world and you realize you know nothing. And then the more you travel, of course, the more you realize how much you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is a yeah. never-ending chase. Yeah. But uh, all right, so you're in school in Oslo for a year. Is that right? Okay, you're like living so in was, another culture, doing that. I left Oslo in the beginning of summer, um, and I traveled all around Europe for a couple of months. I met up with my girlfriend, who is now my wife. and. Thank you. And we traveled all around together and just had this incredible time and got back to school for fourth year and uh, university and I liked university so I was happy to do that but I you know I immediately started laying plans to make sure that uh, right after university I would be off again and 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 uh, another international experience exactly yeah so so that's what I did Um, Brie and I moved to South Korea uh, shortly after we finished university and lived in yeah, mm-hmm. okay. living living in Seoul for a year. And where did that um, bring you from there to other places? Yeah, so well, I mean, um, I'll take that question and just turn it to how I want to use that. Okay. So it brought me to um, what ended up happening was that I had started this blog when I was in Norway because. Um, I kept on getting questions from all sides and I was like, you know what, it's going to be a lot more time effective if I can create a coherent narrative and be like, go here. Um, And so I didn't think much of it. I mean, I got some traction with it, whatever. But um, in Norway, or sorry, in uh, in Korea, a couple weeks after I got there, I had a friend who was like, oh, did you hear about this program? Korea, the government are looking for Korea, world Korea writers. And I was like, what is this? The deadline had already passed, but I was like, you know what, whatever. And I submitted my blog there, and they ended up choosing me as one of 30 like international world Korea bloggers. So I ended up writing content about Korea for the Korean government here, which they were like pumping up, and I was going on trips and all this kind of stuff. And that changed everything, because uh, during the week I was teaching at school, and then on the weekends I was going and traveling. But I realized that uh, having this blog or this this outlet, it, it, it for some, it gave me full permission to explore, like I always wanted to, and I, and I guess what I mean is like I had a different eye for things. So, because I knew I was going to be writing about it in some way, or I wanted to write about it in some way, I think I was looking more carefully at everything around me and trying to digest everything. And even when things went wrong, I was like, "It's okay. This is a hilarious story." Yeah. This is a great story, and it changed it changed things for me in that way. It, to get another culture in there, to try and fit into somewhere. Um, I mean, I was, like, you know, a tall uh, a tall white male in in Korea, and I think I I couldn't really walk around without too many like people would look towards me. I didn't fit in uh, so seamlessly, yeah. you know. 
but I liked that as well. And I really ended up loving Korea. I love Korean food. And and when friends would come to visit in Korea, I realized like I seriously cherished the opportunity to speak in Korean, bring people out for traditional barbecue and sh- and be a, I don't know, this gatekeeper or, or showing people the value of immersing yourself in a culture. All those fires were lit while I was in Korea, um, yeah. many of which are still alight. I mean, it sounds like for you blogging as an activity, which is essentially writing just online, it was giving you this certain awareness about the things around you that was a positive thing for you and allow you to see that world in a different way and digest it in a different way. And also making those connections that like, wow, this is kind of a thing I can do and get recognized for in some way or paid for or uh, get you know have trips because of. There's all kinds of perks, I guess, that can come with that. And th- is that when you started really taking seriously this idea of, hey, maybe I should pursue travel writing as a passion or as a, as a profession, I should say? Yeah, actually, the moment was, it's still vivid in my mind. I, I, I got uh, a package from the Korean government uh, towards the end of my time there. And I opened it up and there was like this beautiful um, mother of pearl, like, I don't know, lacquerware, business card holder. And I was like, oh, that's nice of them. And then I opened up the, the thing beneath it and it was like a certificate of appointment from the Minister of Culture for my work in promoting Korean culture. Oh, that's and cool. I was like, whoa, like it's nice. Yeah, it was, it was. And this is like not like one of those things where I was like, oh, look at me, you know, but, but, but yeah. uh, the, re- the reason it meant something to me is because I was like, um, I really enjoyed what I was doing so much so that I, I didn't even really know. I didn't really think about whether like, oh, is this valuable or not and to have a third a third party who had no incentive to tell me oh this was great to say that was or or to give me that which i still have i was like this is really cool and that was the moment that i kind of thought like like i wonder if this is something i need to think more seriously about like it was a hobby for me at that time and then i thought like what do i need to do to turn this into something bigger or can i the idea that what you shared was valuable not just to them but to the world in some way, like you're sharing somebody's culture, that's a pretty big honor. And you were doing it and it was fun and all that. You probably weren't thinking about that stuff at the time. But then getting the certificate and kind of getting slammed with that realization, wow, like they really appreciated that I was promoting their culture, not in like a marketing way, but just like in a yeah. in a sharing way, you know, educating people about another culture, which of course, as a traveler, we're all educating ourselves about a culture, right? And then if you have a passion for facilitating that for others like you do, well, then it is also about educating others. And whether that's just the culture or like getting them into cool spots that they know they'll appreciate, there's something about facilitating that experience when you know you can give something, you you know somebody, right? Your brother's coming to visit or whatever. And you're like, oh, I'm going to take him to this place because like, I know he's going to love it. And that's just such a good feeling. I think everybody gets that feeling like, I mean, if you haven't traveled, you have people come to visit your hometown, you take them to your, your favorite barbecue place or whatever, because you love it and you want to share that passion with others. That's a beautiful thing. So, okay. So there, there's all these cylinders firing, it sounds like, in Korea. Then somehow you end up in Istanbul, Turkey. Is that the next teaching gig? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Bree and I come back home. We get a uh, Bachelor of Ed uh, back in Canada and immediately use that to ship back out. <laughs> and um, so we went to a 
um, a teaching fair. Well, well, Canada's finally getting the love, though. Well, we can get to yeah. that in a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, any Canadians who are disappointed right now, the end of the, the, end of the story, I'm, I'm firmly rooted here now and happy about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we shipped off to Istanbul. We were at this teaching fair, and it's like, it was the most incredible thing to me. There's like all of these schools representing all of these places, and I think I took a moment to imagine myself in every place, you know, and I just thought, like, well, wouldn't it be cool to be there? Wouldn't it be cool to be there? Yeah, was it like, yeah, exactly. And I was it's like, where a, do yeah. I sign? It's like, I'll sign anything. Sh- ever, ever seen Sherlock Holmes <laughs> with a uh, cumber patch? Where they have these scene where he just like takes the whole room in, he's like zooming in like all these things, like a thousand things in five seconds. That's what I imagine your brain doing. <laughs> yes, I think that's probably just my daily experience. Uh, but, but I, uh, yeah. So we're like at this teaching fair, we're interviewing with different schools, and I'm like, this is the most exciting thing ever. And you have to choose, like, sign really, on that. Really, weekend. Chris, the most exciting thing ever. Really? <laughs> okay, no, just kidding. It was. Uh, it was a. Uh, Let's say a top 25 exciting uh, um, moment. Um, <laughs> you have to rank everything that you said. No, I'm kidding. It was 23. Um, so <laughs> Coming in at number 23, the job fair. Got, All right. Job fair. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> the end of the day comes and we have these offers and things and we like narrowed it down to like, okay, Jakarta or Istanbul. So I call, I remember I called my parents and I was like, all right. So we're thinking we're either like next September, we're going to be in Jakarta or Istanbul. And they're like, oh, Okay. Um, <laughs> they weren't used to it at this time yet. <laughs> were, they were used to it, but they were like, really? Like, couldn't choose somewhere? Like, you know, yeah. um, just like Rome or just like go to London Paris, or we'll Paris visit doesn't, uh, yeah. doesn't excite you? And, and yeah, that was a, a hard no. And I was like, um, so we ended up deciding to go to Istanbul um, because we had gone there briefly for a couple of days uh, in 2010. I love the city. And I also thought to myself, like, I wanted to go to a place that I thought I could be for a while and and still have a to-do list when I left, mm. which is what happened in Istanbul. That's, I mean, a I great, that's a great way to think of a place to set up shop. Like if you're considering moving somewhere overseas for a while, I think that's a great sort of question to filter the decision through. I mean, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, I, I want to... I mean, I, I just went back this June again and I still had things on my to-do list and I thought like, that's the kind of city I want to live in. So... Yeah, we moved there and it was an amazing experience. Um, and because I knew I was going to be there for a while, I really invested in learning Turkish uh, as well as I could. I mean, I have, a, I have a Turkish tattoo on my wrist now. Uh, what does it say? It says Yavash Yavash, which means slowly, slowly. Yeah. And the Kurt yeah. Vonnegut one says again? And so it goes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have any other sayings like that on your body? Yeah, I have Korean on my chest. Uh, it says San Sang Nim, which means teacher. And on my stomach here, or all across my ribs, I have man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. Cool. Yeah. Those are daily so, reminders right in your face, right? So actually, that's, and I have a, a tattoo on my inner arm as well, which is a, of a place in Canada uh, that I hold co- close to my heart. So actually, you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. I have. Um, I get tattoos because uh, I can only fit so much of my luggage. And so I need to bring certain things uh, with me. And so all of those are different reminders. And they all, they all have long stories behind them, but they all mean something to me about, um, you know, what are you carrying with you? Right. In, in every step. Yeah. Yeah. So to go back to Turkey, 
I absolutely fell in love with the culture there. It's like a second home to me. Um, and sometimes it feels like a first home too, you know, depending on my mood. The other thing too was that obviously Turkey during 2014 and 2017, especially Istanbul, was going through a lot of changes, a lot of turmoil. To be able to use my site in some way or my my different avenues, or like whether it's social media or whatever, to talk about what Turkey actually is yeah. and, and not the Turkey that shows up you know, I think a lot of people understood Turkey at that time from the half a second headline that came up on their smartphone, you know, as opposed to investigating what was actually going on. And I felt, you know, to be perfectly frank, downright honored to be able to understand a very complicated issue or complicated issues that were going on there and to have a real understanding of a place that was, you know, in the headlines for a, a variety of unfortunate reasons. And yeah. And I wrote one article called Reflecting on My Second Home that uh, ended up attracting a lot of attention and uh, something I'm still proud of in, in some way. Yeah, and, uh, cool. I mean, I know I heard in your podcast, which we're going to be recording next. So I'm going to yeah. be excited to come on. The podcast is called Rick Steves Over Brunch. We'll talk about that in a second because we're both Rick Steves nerds. And I love that you guys came up with this idea. But I heard you say in the podcast, uh, I think it was the Paris one, that you know Istanbul was probably your favorite city in the world, I think. So then you didn't want to go too far on a tangent on that show. You're like, well, we can't make this about Istanbul. But um, <laughs> all right. So and then we won't do that here because I want to get to, <laughs> to the heart of this, which is uh, when you wrote me an email, you said about Istanbul. After Istanbul, I decided, quote, I decided that I was going to chase my dreams of being self-employed with everything that I had. I struggled to figure out if I should just go back to teaching in Toronto. But eventually, here's what I bold-faced decided that I could live with trying and failing, but I could not live with not trying at all, which I love and I think is a great motto for anybody that's having that debate internally with themselves or maybe externally with friends or whoever, because you're doing what you love right now. And that doesn't mean every day is perfect or anything like that. But professionally, you, and you share a little bit more about like how you earn your income and what you actually do. Before we get into that, I guess, just kind of give some advice on what that experience was like for you, like that deciding if I should go in all in on my passion project. I mean, it sounds like that, what I boldfaced there, that summed it up. You know, you could live, I'll read it again. I could live with trying and failing, but I could not live with not trying at all. Yeah. That says it all, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think I just felt strongly about that in the sense that um, I was presented with this golden opportunity. You know, I think where where there is insecurity, there is opportunity, you know, and, and where there is like, like you can either see things, you can see a blank canvas and either get terrified because you have no paint or you can make paint with what you have, you know? And I think it's like, I felt like, okay, I may never have this chance again. If I go back into the teaching sphere, then I have to start getting into the world of like, well, you know, if I back out now that I'm giving up this much of my pension and this, that, like, I Which had, you can always do, but it might be exactly. harder is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that, that yeah, would be impossible for me, but I would get onto that track. And I guess I just thought to myself, like, I, I currently at this moment, I have uh, everything to gain, you know, and, and, and also, like, I think it's a matter of, like, believing in yourself. Like, I, I you know, worst case scenario, like, what's, what's the, I felt to myself, what's the harm in, uh, six months from now doing what I would have done now. You know, it's like in a, in a grand scheme of life, that's okay. That, that felt fine to me. And the big thing was like, I had built this all up in my head and I was like, oh man, like I really, um, I really 
I don't know if I should do this or whatever. And I, I kind of like worked up the courage to go to my now wife. And I was like, all right, so like, I'm thinking that when we get home, like I'm going to chase this full throttle. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I think you should. And I was like, <laughs> nice. Okay. That's how you, you know, know you're I mean? the right person, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I expect, you know, I expected something else, but, um, and I, I kind of said this other, other places, but I figured like if, you know, if she believes in me so fervently, like maybe I ought to try to believe in myself. So yeah, that was it, man. I just thought, uh, I got to go for this. And you know what? Like it's, it's easy to create this grand narrative where you're like, you know, and then the rest of it was perfect. But you know, it was a really difficult few months after I got back trying to figure out how do I make Toronto home again? How do I, uh, how do I relate to this place? How do I find who I am? How do I find my voice? But like, it was a really important struggle. You know, it was a really important struggle and it's like, rocks that really tough it out in the bottom of a stream, you know, like they're, they're smooth, you know, but it took time for them to get smooth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know? mean, I think that's what you said. An important struggle, I think is the phrase I want to pull out of there because it's not just a struggle, even though it feels like that at times. I think when you struggle on a trip, on a business, anything is where you get the most valuable lessons for yourself, right? It doesn't mean it's fun when it's happening all the time, but when you have this greater awareness of that as of struggle as a teacher, right? Or challenges as teacher, as a a teaching tool, then I think you can just take so much more away from it. So, and then you said, of course, one of the things figuring out was figuring out the crucial difference between being busy and being productive was one of the other things you said. So, and of course, trying to figure out the practicality of how to make, how to actually generate an income, right? So what are you doing to make a living now full-time at this? So the first thing was um, really diversifying income streams and, and, and figuring out what is it I do well, you know, what is it that I can, what is it that I can monetize? So for me, that was writing. So I first started off just going and just doing a, you know, a huge amount of freelance writing. I pitched everybody on everything that I had done and knew and just tried to get a huge repertoire of, of, of work going there. And, and then I created a page on my site, travelingmitch.com slash portfolio, where I held everything, um, that I had been doing. And like, I kept growing and growing and, and, and as I kept on adding these links in and building it up with all that I was doing, like, I got this sort of, every time I added something new, I got this sort of visceral, you know, reaction like, Hey, I'm growing, I'm growing. I could see something grow. And that to me meant something. So I had the freelance writing going, um, obviously like turning my blog into uh, a really professional space where I was creating content. For me, that looked like I started working with tourism boards around Ontario, around North America to create content on my site and social and do campaigns that would bring in some income. I also founded the, the Toronto Bloggers Collective with three other uh, bloggers that I knew in Toronto. And so... This is key. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you so, know, getting, starting something and then being able to meet all those people as the leader, you know, taking a leadership role, I think is such a great tip for people, especially when you're settling in because you're still going to get... It's like you're building an instant network of like-minded friends that are going are there to help each other out, right? I mean, the support thing's huge. 100%. And you know that well from from all that you're doing and, lo- you know, Location Indie and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, basically that was massive because we created this community where... 
you know, we wanted to create a space where basically I came back and I felt like there was these disparate groups of like, okay, travel bloggers over here, mom bloggers over there and videographers over there and podcasts over there. And those called the Toronto Bloggers Collective. It's just about content creation. Are you doing interesting stuff in this city? And do you want to meet up with other people who might be doing some interesting stuff as well in terms of that? Yeah. So we run workshops, uh, paid and unpaid workshops, paid and unpaid events. We um, also like now um, I've been able to sort of work with tourism boards or, or work with brands to source people for campaigns. So that's been big. Um, and, and now we have, uh, I think, about 320 members. Yeah. Seems like you're so, kind of niching down on Canada. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So which is kind uh, of I, I still circle, write a lot about is, a lot of other places, but I, I realized that uh, it was going to be important to to have a bit of a focus. So I've been focusing on Ontario and Canada and then the the areas around that's how I you know, got into New York a little bit. I've gotten to Pennsylvania and I'm just sort of working my way yeah. back out. And that's helped give some coherence to my readership as well. But the other thing too is I legitimately found and rediscovered a love for for Ontario and for Toronto. Um, I, I realized that if I treated Toronto like I treated other cities and explored right. it like I explored other cities, then I had an amazing opportunity because it's an amazing city. So I was like, why is it that I feel that every spare moment of my time in Istanbul should be used to go and explore and discover and eat and stuff? But, but in Toronto, I don't feel that. And I was like, I, I ought to feel that. Yeah. So I brought the mentality that I brought to discovering Seoul and Oslo and Istanbul to Toronto. And it's made all the difference. It's such a great thing to do to bring home and another great exercise for any traveler that is just home and is not going to be traveling for a while. Well, just go see your own city or hometown or the next little town over or whatever and take it as a traveler, you know? And I was, I was saying, I mean, this is great because it, and we can wrap up here because I know we have to go do some recording, but this kind of <laughs> comes full circle because like you said, share, having the passion to educate, to share not only stories and places, but things about a culture and then to be able to come back home and see your culture, your own culture in a, in a new way where I think growing up, like I know growing up in the States, I didn't really think of it as its own culture. It was just what I was used to. But then leaving, you see, well, of course it's its own culture, you know? And then yeah. you, you having just more awareness around that and then being able to share that and do that service to Canada, your home country, I think is a cool thing. And uh, I know we got to go because we're going to go record your podcast. I, I don't mind the first guest on this podcast that you've ever had. Rick Steves over brunch. T talk about the podcast really quick so people can learn about it and they'll have to go check it out. If especially, well, yeah, if you're a Rick Steves fan, yeah, you got to check it out. <laughs> yeah. So, Some people might be like, who the F is Rick? Like, who are they talking about right now? Why is our whole podcast to this guy? Go ahead. Explain. Uh, yeah, that's a, Give us that's the elevator a, pitch. Yeah, that's a very common reaction. <laughs> What are you doing? Um, so, uh, yeah. So basically, um, we review episodes of the uh, the classic t travel TV show, Rick Steves Europe. It's myself and uh, a co-host, Stephanie Craig, and and basically we, um, yeah, we we review the episodes of places that we've both been, and then we uh, we talk about our own experiences in that place, and it's it's really fun. Uh, we have this like you know, the hyper niche uh, following of people who are super into it. And as, as far as guests go, we've had, uh, we've had a few people on. We had Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler come on because he appeared in one of the episodes as a guest. Like he was, he was on top of a tower or something and Rick like had him pose. So we had, we did that episode with him. Um, awesome. We've had um, uh, Allison Green on from, um, 
oh, Eternal Arrival. Uh, and she's because she's good friends with Steph in Sofia, Bulgaria, where they both live. Um, we've had Rick Steves on twice. That's so awesome. that. So that so I met I mean I, yeah I know we're wrapping up here but I met I went to see Rick speak in Toronto as travel as a political act uh, which is his talk great talk like I was so pumped up because I was like oh this man is who I thought he was like he was so fired up and he was so good and and uh, gracious with his time and whatever. But basically, he's like he's like the efficient, right? So he's like, all right, everyone go around. I'm just gonna spin around and sign things. So like, I wait for him to do the big, like I wait for him to do like the helicopter autographing, and I stop and I'm like, hey Rick, like I know you know you gotta go. I know you gotta catch a flight. I was like, but I run this podcast called Rick Steves Over Brunch. I don't know if you've heard of it. He's like, he's like. Not only have I heard of it, I listened to it and I love it. And he's like, I was about to email you to see if I could come on the show. And I was like, that is funny because wow. I'm here to ask you if you want to come on the show. Nice. So uh, so for people who don't know, we, we review an episode. We have all these categories and stuff. So he reviewed an episode himself with us, including rating it out of five button down shirts. What did he and get? He gave it a 5.2. <laughs> and then... Uh, Got to be proud came, of your work. Exactly. And then he came on for an interview. But that's, I mean, that's one of those things, Jason, that I just like... We started for fun because we had watched all these... Uh, we watched all of these like Game of Thrones podcasts and The Walking Dead and stuff. And we were like, wouldn't it be hilarious if we did this with Rick Steves Europe? Um, and then we could add it on, you know. And so that's that's what we ended up doing. And it's been like... It's been so fun. We promised we'd never let it become a chore, and that's what it's never become. It's been, it's been amazing. We've like we've we've uh, we've fallen in love with that, and that's also like I think there's um like no matter how much I love writing, which is you know pretty a, a fair amount. Sometimes like you know when it's the third day in a row that you're just like writing away, like you just uh, you're like you need something else, and that's what Rick Steves over brunch is for me in a, in a way. You know, yeah. it's like it's that like you got to be cognizant when you're working for yourself and you're doing a million different things. What are the things that take energy and what are the things that give energy? And for me, Rick Steves over brunch, it's like it breathes energy into my existence. Well, you've so. breathed energy into my day and my existence today. <laughs> I really appreciate it, man. And I'm so excited to go record an episode of this with you. We're doing uh, Rick Steves, one of his travel skills episodes, which I thought would be cool because we talk about a lot of travel tactics and skills here on the Zero to Travel podcast. So I will send an email if you're on the list so you'll know when it comes out. Go check out Rick Steves over brunch. I'll be on one of those shows. It's some great travel uh, tips on this show that we're going to share. So I'm excited for that, man. Also, travelingmitch.com. You can uh, find Christopher James... Darby, did I get the? <laughs> is that did I get that you did, man. order? Darby, uh, work, and of course, uh, plenty on tra- on Canada and and other destinations as well on that site. So, shared so much with us today. I would say, Chris, uh, just a lot of like valuable key takeaways. I think that will resonate with a lot of people that are on this journey. And really, as you know, it's a never ending journey, right? It's not like you start, oh, I'm all in my passion. And now everything's just hunky dory. It's uh, it's something that always takes work and adjustment and things like that. So um, appreciate you sharing some timeless um, advice here with us. Last question. uh, If you had to go get a tattoo right after this podcast, what would it say? You had to. You have to. There's a guy standing behind you right now. And you got (laughs) to spin around in your chair and get a tattoo. Ooh, see, this is why I love your show. Like you, you just like you keep you keep uh, keep it on the toes. Um, 
Especially for you know 8.30 what? in the morning, right? Like, <laughs> can you, dude, can you just let this end? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Actually, what I would do is the Mitchell family sign, at least one sect of the Mitchell family in Ireland is a, uh, is a quill dipping into ink. Really? On my forearm, I would get to... Uh, get the quill and ink and uh, and i wouldn't have i wouldn't have the word there like even my family name i just would let that mean what it meant to me which is like again like to drive back to the beginning you know my family came over here and you know you got to carry that on but for me carrying that forward means continuing to dip the quill into the ink yeah love it and we'll end on that thank you so much and we'll be chatting soon Cheers, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I mean, uh, I've loved this show for a while. Continue to love it in the future. So thanks, man. It was a blast. Hope to have you on again. Let's do it in person next time. All right. Cheers. There you have it. My conversation with Chris, I got a lot out of it and I hope you did as well. Congrats once again to him and his uh, podcast, Rick Steves Over Brunch. Again, check that out. And you can find his work at travelingmitch.com. Thanks, Chris. Always a blast chatting with you. And I look forward to doing it again sometime soon. Before we get into a couple things, I've got this question I got to share with you that can really help drive a lot of decisions. I talked in the beginning of the show about the decision points of our lives. And this is a question I've had on, I've brought up on the show before, but it's been a while. I wanted to bring it back right now. But first, I want to thank Tortuga Backpacks again for supporting today's show. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga gets you to the best travel backpacks out there. How long are you going for? Three weeks, three months, three years? Doesn't matter. Check out their packs. They've got not like an overwhelming selection, which is a great thing because you're going to find exactly what you need for your style of travel. And um, I use religiously, I'm using uh, right now the home base when I'm at home and I'm using the Outbreaker day pack every day, almost every day, just around town. So these are the kind of bags that you use in your everyday life too, not just when you travel. They don't just sit up on the shelf. They're just wonderful bags for all types of travel. And don't miss out on the 10% off deal by going through that link. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga. 10% off. Just go through that link. You'll get the 10% off when you check out. No promo code or anything. Just shop. And when you check out, you get 10% off by using that link. Thank you again so much to Tortuga for being a longtime supporter of today's show and for hooking up the Zero to Travel audience with a 10% discount so they can get some holiday shopping done, get some cool, uh, awesome travel gear. So thanks to them. Okay, a couple things here. With this question, these big decision points, they require a little nudge sometimes, right? You heard in the interview, this is not always an easy call. It can be quite challenging to decide if you're going to take the leap and quit your job to travel or if you're going to buy a van and live in it or if you're going to pursue that passion project or that side hustle. How do you know when to do it? Well, I'm bringing back an old question. And that question is, if not now, then when? I used to say it all the time on the show because it's so powerful such a powerful question. It's a power question. If not now, then when? Right? Anything you're deciding in life, if not now, then when? And I love this question because it forces an answer, right? It's like, take it logically. Okay, uh, if not now, then then when? When should I? When should I do this? Uh, this has helped me 
make many decisions in my life and given me courage to take the leap when it was lacking because when you realize that there's not ever a good time or when you're forced to pick a time, it kind of like hits you a smack dab in the face, right? You're like, all right, if I'm not going to do this now, when am I going to do this? And how long am I going to wait? And all these other questions come up from this one question. If not now, then when? So I wanted to bring this back because it's an important question. Write it down. Maybe it'll help you make a decision now or in the future. And just keep that in mind when you're feeling stuck. Ask yourself that question. The questions we ask ourselves can often be one of the best resources for our uh, our decision-making, our inner world, our health, a lot of different things. So ask yourself good questions. Ask yourself the right questions. And I would consider that a great question and one of the right ones to ask yourself, no matter what decision point you're at right now or in the near future or in the far future or whenever. I never know when this is hitting your ears, but I just wanted to share that with you because it's been helpful for me and I hope it's helpful for you. And what's also nice is to hear from you. <laughs> I love to hear from listeners. Send me a picture like uh, Matt did of the of Super Mario. Send me a picture from the road like do it right now. If you got something, if you're on your phone, you got something you want to send me, Jason at zero to travel.com. Check in, just say hi. Hey man, here's this shot from my last trip or here's where I'm listening to your show right now or whatever. Just humor me, right? I'm, I'm looking in, I'm in this room. I'm waving my arms in the air. Like, like there's all room full of people here. It's just me. But you know what? I feel like there's a room full of people here. I feel like you are all sitting at these chairs that I'm looking at around me at my co-working space because I do feel your presence when I record this podcast and I hope you feel mine. And uh, I, I love this community. We've built them honored to host this show. I've said it time and time again. This is a community powered show. This is your show. I'm just hosting it here because I'm a lucky dude, but I make the show for you. You keep me going. So anything you want to share with me, anything you want me to talk about, anything any guests you want me to bring on, topics you want me to cover, whatever, just get in touch and let me know. You got my email, jason at zero to travel.com. Just drop a line, say hi, anytime. And last thing, have you heard about the world's most fun conference? I'm hosting it. I'm co-hosting it with my buddy, Travis. It's called Camp Indie, I-N-D-I-E. Just go to campindie.com, check it out. We've rented out a summer camp for adults outside of New York City, June 12th through the 14th, 2020. So please do not wait and get some early bird tickets. If you want to come hang out, sleep in rustic chic cabins, have all kinds of fun summer camp activities going on around you, meet an incredible community of people uh, from Zero to Travel, from uh, Location Indie or other community, just people that are into travel and, and either location-dependent lifestyle, travel, unconventional thinking, freedom, all the values and stuff that we talk about on this show. Get plugged in to a community in real life, campindie.com. We're doing it at the summer camp. It's going to be insane. You got to just check it out, please. Check it out. Do, do not miss this opportunity. We've got the early bird tickets available right now. I want to meet you in person. I want to hang out and I want you to check this out because I know you're going to be like, oh, this is awesome and I got I to gotta do this. If you're anywhere near the area, June 12th through the 14th, Make a trip to New York City area. It's actually going to be Connecticut two hours away from New York, but close to New York City. Come join us at summer camp, right? Have fun with us at summer camp? How could you say no to that? Campindy.com, check it out. Okay, that's, that's the show. 
I'm going to leave you to it. I'm, I'm packing up here. I, what am I doing now? I'm packing up and uh, headed home, going to bed. It's nighttime here. Uh, whatever you're doing, uh, I want you to enjoy the rest of your day. Smile. Take a chance today. Do something, uh, something that you've been mean to do for a while. Maybe make a decision on something. If not now, then when, right? <laughs> Thanks again. I'll see you next time. Cheers, my friend. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 